You're listening to the No Feeding Tube Show with me, Yvonne McLaren, and we're going to be sharing the vernacular of head and neck cancer treatment. There's a whole new language and life to learn after head and neck cancer treatment, and we'll be cracking open the subtleties of the side effects that treatment affords us as patients. It's the show for patients, carers and medical practitioners to hear from lived experience and my particular passion, food and living your best food life during and after treatment. So if you'd like to be part of the community, I'd encourage you to subscribe to GAG the newsletter. There'll be a link in the show notes below. But in the meantime, grab your favourite beverage or your walking shoes and let's get started. Hello there and thank you for joining me today on episode 55 of the No Feeding Tube Show. It's great to have you here. In the last episode, I uh, talked about why I uh, entitled my podcast The No Feeding Tube Show and I alluded to not only peg tubes uh, and my main goal with that, uh, but I did talk about the use of artificial formulas uh, for feeding. And for anybody uh, who's listening and or that's been through head and neck cancer, depending on where you are, this certainly happened in Australia, uh, I didn't eat orally for about 15, 18 months. So part of that protocol regime was to uh, have me ingest uh, what I call artificial food, the formulas that they make in um, you know little bottles that they actually delivered on a sack truck to me here at my home uh, with the appropriate uh, attachments that went to the end of my feeding tube. Um, So I I mentioned in the last episode I think it was that I would talk about uh, my thoughts on artificial Food. Now, I'm going to preface this podcast episode by saying I'm not a dietitian, I'm not a nutritionist, I'm not a medical practitioner of any shape or form. In fact, I fainted when I got my ears pierced, so that's definitely not the career move for me. Having said that, uh, I do have a passion and an interest in food and nutrition, right down to um, macronutrients. Uh, and what they can do for you. And I learnt that through my mother mostly. She was a bit before her time in the 70s and 80s. Anyhow, I diverse. Whilst I was ingesting this food, um, and I'll also say that if it wasn't for that food, I wouldn't be here today. Uh, I'm not suggesting whether it's good, bad or indifferent. I'm just going to talk about uh, my experience and what I did and what I personally experienced on this journey of not eating orally, not eating solid food, not having that food contact for many, many, many months. Whilst I was learning this and... After treatment, someone said a word to me, dysphagia, uh, that's how I pronounce it, Um, dysphagia, dysphagia, and I had no idea what that was. There's another 
thing that's, it, that is sounds similar, but that's the inability to speak or not using words. This is dysphagia, the difficulty in swallowing, uh, as you would be all too well aware if you've been through this process and possibly why you're listening to me here today. But that whole process got me thinking. Um, you know, I've been a foodie all my life. I've been in and around food and wine. I'm an Australian. I love my big gutsy reds. I love wine. I love sparkling wine. Um, you know, we have a bit of a drinking uh, culture here. And, uh, yeah, that's what I was brought up with. I was brought up um, with some farming background. My family cousins are farmers. Uh, so, you know, I've, um, I've been around food and wine all my life. Um, big family, big social family. And there I was, tipping bottles of stuff into a tube in my stomach. Uh, as you can imagine, and you probably have experienced this yourself, that can be pretty depressing. Uh, in fact, I know it, it is incredibly mentally challenging and that's really what it became for me in the end. I was sitting there in a hospital looking at what I was doing and going, holy bat, you know what, um, if this is going to be my life, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure I want to be here to do this. So that's kind of how bad I got. As I was sitting there, though, slowly pouring um, said formula into my feeding tube once I'd gotten off the machine that was doing it for me automatically, I started to think about what skills I had and, and what I was missing out on and how could I put that into a resource and communicate what I'd done, what I'd learnt, what I was feeling, why I was making the decisions I was making. Uh, and that's when um, my book, my first book, Easy Follow, Easy Swallow, uh, became, came about. I gave, I gave birth to that book, if you like. And I'm reading it from it here. Um, and if you're watching, you, you'll see me holding it up. Um, the trouble with my peg tube, despite the fact that I was very pleased it kept me alive, um, was that the longer I was on it, the more removed I became from food. By that I mean, uh, you know, I got to that point where... I was so reliant on that peg tube that I wasn't buying food. I wasn't going to the shops and purchasing fresh food. I wasn't cutting up onions or herbs or garlic or using lemon juice on anything or eating anything or preparing anything. or uh, And, you know, my beautiful chef knives, which I have nicely sharpened in my kitchen, didn't get used. Nothing got used. No stockpots, no saucepans, nothing. No, just nothing. No nice smells in the kitchen, nothing. Sat at the breakfast bench pouring this artificial formula into my feeding tube. And as you can... And now, um, you know, I'm on my own here. I've got a couple of cats. Uh, uh, so I didn't have to be exposed to someone else's cooking smells or feeding times or any of that so you know know that about my situation but that was a real concern to me I was getting more and more removed from food the whole process of food um the other thing about the peg tube and the, sorry I'm going to sort of 
slip in and out of peg tubes, formulas, peg tubes, formulas. That peg tube, I found it really prohibiting from an exercise point of view, from a showering point of view. I don't even know what having sex with it would have been like because uh, oh, I had no one here to have sex with. But I guess if you're in that situation, that, might, that would have been another concern. What, what do you do? Tape it up? Throw it over your shoulder? I don't know. Um, so it was really starting to irritate me, that peg tube. And after many, many months of cracking open these eight, I had to have eight of those bottles a day. I couldn't manage it. it I, I think at my worst, I might manage two of those bottles, but I, I, I persisted. I kept setting them up and drinking them. Then I got thrush, of course, in my mouth because of, um, well, I knew enough to know that it was probably the sugar um, and I'm just reading from my book here. The carbohydrates uh, in these elemental formulas uh, are corn syrup solids, that's a sugar, maltodextrin, polysaccharides, carbohydrate, that's a sugar, hydrolyzed cornstarch, glucose, sugar, fructose, that's a sugar, sucrose that's a sugar and sugar alcohols that's what they had listed under carbohydrates uh, and then I go on to list the proteins the fats um, you know basically what the uh, nutritionally complete ingredients were in those formulas uh, I had to dig deep for that information but I did find it in fact I think my personal trainer at the time found it uh, on a French website. The um, other things that the artificial formulas don't have are phytonutrients, which you find in fresh fruit and vegetable, and fibre. And if you are drinking those formulas along with having um, either anti-inflammatories or endone or one of the you know, codeine or one of those strong painkillers, you know where I'm going with this, you end up being, um, what's the Australian term we use for it, bunged up like a, like a wristwatch, uh, you can't go to the toilet because you're just not having that fibre and those phytonutrients that are coming from fresh fruit and vegetables. And, I, you know, after a few months of this, I just went, oh, I cannot keep doing this I could tell by my skin I could tell by the fogginess of my brain the headaches um, I just thought jeez this is not good I have to do something about this so as I mapped together easy follow easy swallow I recognized what I had to do to transition off that peg tube back to solid oral eating again in my own kitchen and if you go looking for information about how to actually do that transition, that's pretty scarce too. So a part of that book, uh, I talk about the stages that I underwent, the sort of things that I collected together to make sure that I recorded what I was doing, what my weight was, how I was managing my trismus, my thrush, my oral hygiene. I 
documented everything and I did that because I was told I needed permission to have that peg tube taken out and by permission, inverted commas, I had to prove to my medical team that I was able to maintain my weight uh, using only my mouth or oral ingestion, not using my peg tube. <clears throat> so I thought the best way to do that is to record what I'm eating, how much of it I'm eating and my weight. And, and you know, I mean, I lost about 25 kilos, as some of you would um, be familiar with. Uh, I'm now back to my normal weight. In fact, I'm trying to keep my weight down a bit at the moment. That's probably got more to do with midlife and menopause than anything else. Uh so, you know, a blended diet. Um, depending on when you're listening to this, I'm going to be doing a live trade event with um, uh, Lena Breek, uh, who's the tube dietitian, and we're going to be doing a live program in May of 2023. I'm sure she'll record it, should you be listening to this after that event. And I'm going to be talking about um, using real food in my transition process with my peg tube. As it turns out, I never put anything in my peg tube other than that formula in the bottle, medications, things that I couldn't physically swallow in the way of tablets, vitamin E, that's a whole other session. Um, I didn't put any natural food in my peg tube. Um, why? Because I didn't feel as though I knew enough about that process in terms of the uh, volume, the texture, what do I do if I block the peg tube, how do you unblock it. Um, yeah, I just didn't know that. So I just played it safe and kept with the artificial formula, which kept me going until I was ready and really wanted to transition off that peg tube. Um it was a big mental aspect for me, getting rid of that peg tube. Um, I kind of thought that once that peg tube had gone, then I'd gotten over the cancer. Um, and that was kind of the way I viewed it back then. So that's artificial formulas. Um, I noticed almost instantaneously that my skin was better, my mood was better, everything about life was a lot better once I'd gotten back to fresh food and I talk about um, you know the the four s's that I use to transition the soups smoothies stocks and sauces uh, in my resource area you can find those and purchase those if you want to have a look at what I did and how I did those um, but that was a big process for me transitioning off that formula and my peg back to oral eating it was a big mental jump for me as well uh, and it was part of that process of me getting over my cancer so that was the first book that I wrote um, easy follow easy swallow and that book has how I did it the stages that I did what was going through my head what was in those formulas um, what was in those formulas that I didn't want to continue to put into my body and this is also really important if you are vegan or you've got um, you know diabetic issues or you've got uh, your paleo or whatever diet you need to be on you've not got as much control uh, if you're having formulas 
as opposed to if you're eating your own natural food. I am to understand in recent research that that has got slightly better in some of the big um, pharmaceuticals that are creating these uh, formulas are addressing that is my understanding. Uh, so that's um, the end of today's episode and why I chose to move from artificial formula to it's one of the reasons I chose to move back to eating fresh food again. I, you know, obviously there are social aspects of that as well that come into play. Um, and, you know, if you're unfortunate enough to have to have a peg tube or a feeder or a nasal feeder or uh, I couldn't have a nasal feeder, I just continually coughed that thing out. Um, and in the end, my peg tube fell out because I did so much exercise and I just never put it back in. So I never got the okay. I just took the ball by the horns and did that. I'm not suggesting by any stretch that that's what you should do, but that's just what happened to happen to me. Have to happen to me. Um, so if that's of use to you, please go and check out the Easy Follow, Easy Swallow cookbook and how I transitioned. It's currently on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. And, uh, yeah, you know... I'd highly encourage you to don't be fearful of your peg tube. It's there to keep you alive. Uh, there shouldn't be a stigma attached to it. It is what it is and it's a means to an end and it's there to hopefully transition you back to oral eating. And if it's not, it's there to keep you alive. So either way, um, keep on with your peg tube and just keep uh, researching how to get off it if that's what you're able to do and what your medical team are supporting you to do as well. Uh, if you're listening to this and um, you'd like to have a look at Lena Brake's uh, live trade show, I'll hopefully get those in the show notes when they're ready. Okay, thanks for joining me here today. Um, as always, uh, look after yourself and uh, continue to eat well. Okay, we'll see you next episode. Bye. Thank you for listening to the No Feeding Tube Show with Yvonne McLaren. I'd love for you to come on over to my supportive Facebook community and share your experiences. You can also follow me on Instagram, subscribe to Gag, and or just continue to tune in to the podcast. Don't forget, if you get a minute to rate the show, that's always very helpful. Until next time, eat well.